Be turning to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. The book of Hebrews chapter 11. Give you a chance to turn. While you're turning, I'm looking around. I'm seeing a lot of folks here that came to be with your mama for Mother's Day. Some of you traveled quite a way. Some of you traveled just a little bit, but you came to visit and be a part of this service for your mama for Mother's Day. And I'm glad you came. And uh, I think it's appropriate that you would do whatever it took to try to be with your mom today. And we would like, of course, to honor our mothers. Let me just ask this. I lose track. Mercy, we have so many babies here at Brister. I, I, I don't know who's a first-time mother, and I'm not sure if we have any first-time mothers in the service today. Do we have any first-time mothers? Would you stand or raise your, your hand? No first, oh, first-time mother, okay, congratulations, first-time mother. Do we have, I always have to do this, first-time grandmother. Okay, don't have any first-time grandmothers. We got a lot of grandmothers here. Do we have first, okay, well, you need to stand up. There we go, first-time grandmother, all right. So, I mean, that's, that's important, first-time mothers. I would say welcome to the wonderful world of motherhood, but that would mean that I'm, I'm welcoming you to somewhere that I already am. I'm not in motherhood, okay? It's a whole different... So I'm going to ask that we would honor all mothers. Would you please stand in the building? All the mamas in the building, please stand up. Let's give these mamas a big round. Look at that. All right, you can be seated. And let me say this. Those of you who... Take the effort to bring kids like four and five-year-olds and under. Thank you for taking the time to get those kids ready to bring them to church. It's, it's, it's not easy. I know that. And then when they get to church, they're active. And we're aware of the fact that we got kids in the service and they're active and they make noise and so forth. I'm happy about the fact that we've got a lot of kids here. And I want to say thank you for taking the effort to bring your kids to church. And I appreciate that. Congratulations to all mothers. And I'm going to be reading this morning from my mother's Bible in honor of uh, Mother's Day. So I'll be reading out of the King James today, and that's why it's going to be different. I got this Bible here, and uh, I ended up somehow when, when we, we started, of course, having to d d dissolve my mother's household and, and, and the things just had to go somewhere. I ended up with my mama and my daddies and my grandmother and my granddaddies. I ended up with all the Bibles. I've got my mother's Bible and looked on the fly leaf and we gave this Bible to my mama on February the 7th, 1975, is on her birthday. We honored my mama with this Bible and it's all marked up in here. In the last 40 you know, years, she, she uh, marked it all up. Uh, and I would say, of course, I'm sure that people, anybody would say this, but if anybody deserved any honor, it was, it was Glenda Jean. Uh, you know, Amy, my sister, had Mama all to herself for almost two years. And then me and Keith showed up. We ruined it all. Uh, and of course, coming into the world, being twins, they weren't expecting twins. And we came along, and so my mom wasn't expecting twins, and the reason it was such a surprise is because we were born about five weeks early, and we weighed three pounds apiece. We were in the hospital for a month before we came home. And Glenda Jean would go up there every day and see about her babies. Then when we came home, it didn't get any easier. 
We were so small and premature, we had to be fed about every three hours. But here's the problem. Me and Keith weren't on the same schedule. So it was every hour and a half to two hours, there was a baby needing fed. Diapers changed in the days before Pampers. And then to complicate things, there was Amy running around. She was just right at two years old. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of words that, that uh, can give my mama the proper honor that she deserves. And of course, many of you are aware of the fact my mama passed away about three years ago. And many of you here and your mama passed away years ago. But I know in the building today, I know of several of you, your mama passed away since last Mother's Day. And I'm aware of that. I've been thinking about you. And I know this is a different day. And I bring that up to say this. If you're here with your mama, I'm glad you came. And your mama is worth every bit of appreciation you can show to her. If your mother is not with you today, as soon as you leave this building, you give her a call. And you might say, well, I've already called her and told her Happy Mother's Day. You call her again. Call her twice today. Tell her how much you appreciate your mama. Because those of us who don't have our mamas, whether it be for three years, a few months, ten years, you know, we still miss our mama, don't we? Call your mama, go see her, find her, give her a big hug if you can, tell her Happy Mother's Day. There's no way we can repay our mamas for what we do. And so we're going to read about uh, some parents, specifically a mother that made the Hall of Fame in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured seeing him who is invisible. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you. We thank you for Mother's Day, and it's appropriate. But Father, we ask that this would not be the only day that we give honor to whom honor is due and love the people who love us. And Father, help us to show that love. I ask, Father, that you would just bless the reading of your word. You have something to tell us today, and we need to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 11 is called the Hall of Fame of the Heroes of Faith, and we would expect to see the heavy hitters here, and we do. We see Noah, we see Abraham, we see Moses, we see Joshua, we see Gideon, we see all the big heavy hitters. But right in the middle of it, the writer is careful to give honor to whom honor is due and talk about the parents of Moses. Now, both are mentioned. So we know that both parents, and their name was 
Amram and Jochebed, both of the parents of Moses, deserve honor because both of them were people of faith, mama and daddy. Both of them played a part, but history shows us, as is usual, mother's investment was far greater than daddy's investment in the situation. And we back all the way up to Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. This is what the writer of the book of Hebrews was speaking of when he said, by faith, the parents of Moses. He's talking about this situation right here. Exodus chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Now there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. Then she could no longer hide him. She took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what should be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walked along by the riverside. When she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the babe. And behold, the babe wept. And when she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. And said to his sister, then said his sister, the Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call thee a nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for thee? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give you thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses. And she said, because I drew him out of the water. Several things we notice this passage of scripture tells us. First of all, motherhood does not pause for difficult circumstances. These were hard times. Back up in chapter 1, verse 13, a summary of what they were living with in the generation that they were bringing children into and the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and all manner of service in the field and all their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. Three times it speaks about the fact that the Hebrews had a hard, hard life. And this was the generation in which Moses was brought into. This gets even harder. In verse 12, it says, But the more they afflicted the Hebrews, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because the children of Israel. In verse 15, the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, which one of the names was Sifra and the other was Pua. And said, when you do the office of midwife to the Hebrew children and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, you shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them. 
but save the men's children alive. The king of Egypt called for the midwives and asked, Why have you done this thing, and why have you saved the men's children alive? The midwife said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come into them. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, he made them houses. Pharaoh charged all of his people, saying, Every son that is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. If we thought things were bad first, now they've gotten worse. And you say, this is unthinkable circumstances that they had to deal with. And throughout history, it shows that even in the most tragic of historical events, there were always mothers who cared for the babies that they loved. Motherhood never pauses just for hard circumstances. In fact, a lot of times, motherhood is a hard circumstance. And there's no way we can understand that, guys. You know, we can honor mothers, and we can honor our wives, and we know of kind of what they go through, but we can never know everything they go through because before they take the first breath, a mother has a nine-month investment in that little life and has already developed a relationship with that little life and already has invested something we could never invest. And so it takes both a mother and a father, but there's no way we can, we can ever know what a mother's investment is in the, child, in the life of a child. And, and how much they are wrapped up and how emotionally connected they are. But we understand things were bad and things got worse. But there were still mothers who cared for the babies they loved. Moses' mother, secondly, had her eye on God. Now, how, how do we see that? You, you see here, would... Any parent want to do what she did? I mean, to, to hide their son so the son wouldn't be thrown into the river? And we, we don't know how many of them may have hidden their kids. We don't know that. We just know that this is a remarkable circumstance of how it played out of God being uh, God and doing things that only God can do. But we know that any of us would have done the same thing. But it says, specifically in the book of Hebrews, by faith, the parents of Moses hid him for three months. Now that meant that they had their eye on God. Now we don't know exactly who wrote the book of Hebrews, but we do know the writer of the book of Hebrews had a very deep knowledge of the Hebrew history, the Hebrew religion, deep theological ties are made between the Hebrew sacrifices and the Hebrew religion and the Hebrew faith and Christianity. It's a deep book. Whoever wrote the book of Hebrews knew what he was talking about. And he knew enough to say the parents of Moses didn't just act this way because they were parents. The parents of Moses acted this way by faith. Now, in the book of Hebrews, it says this in verse 1. By faith, I mean, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
By it, the elders obtained a good report. And then in verse 6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him, God. He that comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So it talks about faith being present and what faith is and that faith pleases God and that those who have faith must first have their eye on God and believe that God is. Then later on it says, by faith, the parents of Moses. So we know the parents of Moses had their eye on God. It is said in verse 23 that they hid him because he was a proper child. The New King James says a beautiful child, as does most of the English translations. Back in the book of Hebrews, it says, of course, that they, I mean, in Exodus, they said that he hid him because he was a goodly child or a beautiful child. Interestingly, you get to the sermon that Stephen preached, and you get a very unique description of the baby Moses. In Acts chapter 7, verse 20, Stephen is speaking. Stephen is going through a whole history of the Jewish people, and he says, in which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair. Now that's the English translation, exceeding fair. The Greek translation is this, he was beautiful in God's eye. That's, that's what Stephen said. That's the Greek translation. He was beautiful in whose eyes? God's eyes. Now I know that we're all beautiful in God's eyes. But what this simply meant is God had his eye on Moses specifically. And we know, of course, reading the rest of the story. I think the New King James, I mean the New International Version says this was no ordinary child. God already has hand on Moses. This is seen in the fact that Moses should have been thrown in the river. Quite literally, Moses was thrown in the river, but he was thrown in the river in a little basket, just at the right place in the right time where the daughter of Pharaoh would come. Now, the daughter of Pharaoh had the same instructions. Hebrew babies, if it's a male baby, throw him in the river. She saw the child. She saw it was a baby. And just at this time, the baby started crying. Moses had good timing. He started crying, melted her heart. And she said, this is a Hebrew baby. Now, Moses' big sister runs up and says, you want me to get you a Hebrew woman to nurse the baby for you? She said, yeah, that'd be a good idea. She runs back, gets Moses' mother. Now, here's what should have happened according to Pharaoh. Moses should have been in the river and should have died, and she would be grieving. Now, here's what's different. Moses' mama still has Moses, and now she's getting paid to raise him. Now, isn't that the way God happens? So we realize they had their eye on God. By faith, she did what she was supposed to do because he was a beautiful child, beautiful in the eyes of God, no ordinary child, and according to the writers of the Scripture, they had their eye on God in all of this. Mother, thirdly, passed down the faith that endures and excels. I don't know what Moses looked like. I don't know 
what his daddy and his mama looked like. But I do know that Moses' mother and her da his, Moses' daddy passed down some very similar character traits. Did you see something that's repeated in the passage of Scripture that we read in Hebrews chapter 11? By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. And look at this. They were not afraid of the king's commandment. Now, now tuck that away back in the back of your mind. We continue reading. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the riches of the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect to the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Did you catch that? Moses was not afraid of the king. Well, who else wasn't afraid of the king 40 years earlier? That was Moses' parents. That was a godly mother, was not afraid of the king. Then later on, Moses, not afraid of the king. Well, you might say, wait a minute, wait a minute, time out. Moses was afraid of the king. Because you remember, he killed the Hebrew, I mean the Egyptian man that was beating a Hebrew. And then he ran away. Well, that's right. But you know what? He came back. He came back because he was not afraid of the king. When God gave him a task and said, it's time for you to go back and square up against the king. He was not afraid of the king. Where did he get that kind of courage? He got that kind of courage because he had a godly mother. Now, some of you might read and say, well, well time out. It says that he was called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was called that, but who had the most contact with Moses? His real mother. His real mother. Now, he may have been called the son of Pharaoh, but she was, she was doing what Pharaoh's daughter normally would do, and she hired the mother of Moses. And she's the one who took care of Moses. She was present in the house of Pharaoh. And what she showed Moses was the courage to face whoever when it came to doing the right thing. Now, I know that Moses went to school over there in Pharaoh's school, and he was taught all the ways of the Egyptian. But let me tell you, what Moses got from his mother was caught, not taught. Now, now what does that mean? It means she may not have sat him down and gave him lessons on courage, but he saw it in her life. Discipleship is that way. Parenting is that way. We can tell our kids a lot of things, but you know what they're really going to believe? What they see. And you see, real Christian faith is caught, not just taught. He saw that in the life of his mother. She was present in the house of Pharaoh, and this is a key point. This was the most unlikely home to ever find the things of God in. It was the house of Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the king of Egypt. In Egypt, they worshiped the king. They worshiped the river. They worshiped the sun. They worshiped 
everything else but God. All of these things were taught in the house of Pharaoh. That was the headquarters of false teaching. And here's the thing. She could make even the house of Pharaoh a godly home. That is exactly what we've all experienced is that regardless of where we are, home is where mama is. And mother makes any house a home. In my own experience, I can remember, we grew up, of course, El Dorado, Arkansas. And when I was going into the sixth grade, my dad got uh, another job over here, JW operator here in Magnolia. And, of course, we, we were growing up in El Dorado, and, and we thought, of course, that that was a big town. Of course, you know, I have to say, we're fifth graders, okay, going into sixth grade. So I had a lot of wisdom at that time. My impression of Magnolia was driving through on the way to Six Flags. And I don't, that's where we came. And I don't know if you remember, right where Andy's is used to be the boys' club. You, any of you remember that? That house looked like Herman Munster lived there. I mean, it was, it was something. That's, that's, what, that's what I knew about Magnolia. My grandmama lived in Calhoun. My grandmama and granddaddy Goble lived over in Calhoun. They had a party line. That was my expression of Magnolia. So I thought that Magnolia was just a little bit beneath me because I was a cool El Dorado kid. I didn't want to live. I didn't want to move to Magnolia. So we moved to Magnolia over on 119 College View. Went to Central Elementary. Now, I don't know if you remember Central Elementary. It's not like it is now. The building that Central Elementary was housed in at that time had to be built in the 1900s. It was an old, old, old ranchackle building. Now, the custodian of Central, of Central uh, Elementary insisted on burning trash on the playground in the morning. And it filled the playground with sm Every morning, he had a stinky trash pile. Now, here we are. The cool kid from El Dorado comes over to Mayberry and... <laughs> And he's in a school that's old, and there's this fire out there that's smoldering. Now, Scripture came to my mind at that time where Jesus described another place where the fire is not quenched. And I'm thinking, there's a fire out here all the time, and there's smoke, and this is an old creaky building, and there's radiators, the, the, the steam-powered radiators. It was, just, it was just horrible. I didn't want to be here. I didn't want to be in Magnolia. We hated it. We were unhappy kids. But let me tell you, that little house on 119 College View was a pretty modest house, but my mama made it a home. My mama made it a home. And my brother and sister and I all agree that those years spent on 119 College View, even in Magnolia, it became home to us. In fact, we still look back on those days with fondness. In fact, sometimes when I'm having to go somewhere on the north side of town, I'll just drive by there just to look at that old house. Not much about that old house. Sure doesn't look like much now. In the neighborhood, of course, not the neighborhood it used to be. And I don't go by there because the siding or the carpet or the roofing. I go by there because that was home. And it was home in some pretty tough circumstances for a sixth grader. But my mama made it home. And some of you have same stories, don't you? A lot of times I carry kids to the church camp. A lot of times I carry, of course, 
kids to go to church camp when they've never been anywhere else. And invariably, somebody's going to get homesick. Now, what do you miss when you get homesick? Do you miss the refrigerator or the dishwasher or the linoleum or the Formica countertops? What, what do you miss when you miss home? You miss your mother. Mother made it home for Moses in the midst of a very, very harsh environment. She made it home. And Mother made it home for us, 119 College View, in a situation that was very tough for us. Looking back on that, I can see God moving us over here because El Dorado became a powder keg of drugs and violence. The schools were just awash with all kinds of horrible things. We'd have been right in the middle of it. God had his hand on, but you know, being the wisdom of a fifth grade boy, I didn't see all that. All I saw was I'd moved to Mayberry and didn't like it, but my mama made it home. And so that's what Moses' mother did, and she made it a godly home. And because of that, first of all, Moses knew who he was. In verse 14, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter because he knew he was not the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was a son of the living God. He was a Hebrew. He knew that. Why? Because of mama. Secondly, Moses made the right choices. Verse 25, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. When it came time to make a choice, when it came time to take a stand, he knew what was right and wrong. He knew, despite everything Pharaoh had tried to teach him, he knew what to choose. Why? Because of his mother. In verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the riches of the treasure of Egypt. He valued what is really important. He chose the right thing because he esteemed and valued even the reproach of Christ better than the riches of Egypt. And they were the riches of the entire world. He knew what was important. Why is that, Mama? And he saw God even in the midst of difficult years. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. He endured seeing him who is invisible. You see, he knew that his mother had courage because she saw God. Moses had courage because he saw the same God, even in the midst of difficult days, even in the midst of difficult years. He saw him who is invisible. Who showed him the way to God? You know, his mother showed him the way to God. We have a lot to be thankful for. God is real. God is on the throne. God has all blessed us with this day and this time to hear from his word. And we know what to do if there's something you need to choose. But of all things, as we prepare for an invitational hymn, let's not forget the special part of this day. Maybe we just need to breathe a prayer of thanks to God for our mothers and make a commitment to make our homes this kind of home, regardless of the situations that come our way. As we stand and sing, what number? Number 120.